Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. Today is the last part of a sermon series on prayer. Uh, Last week, um, Alvin uh, preached on prayer, and today I'm going to have part three, which is our final part of the sermon series on prayer, and I have had such an amazing time uh, sharing these messages with you, and not just sharing these messages with you, but trying to apply these messages to my own life and trying to make them a part of my own life. And I got to tell you, it has been a great joy uh, for me as I have incorporated prayer um, more and more into my life. And if you remember when we started this sermon series, I mentioned my goal. And my goal was to take everyone in this church, um, whether you're a longtime member or visiting with us, to take everyone just one step closer to making prayer more of a priority um, in your life. So take, you know, if, if you never pray, just maybe take you from that state to maybe praying five minutes a day and maybe you pray an hour a day well maybe just take that maybe to an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes just wherever you're at my goal was to to just help you um and and encourage you and give you the desire to want to just pray a little bit more just to be able to spend that time with god just a little bit more you know as we talk about prayer And uh, we've talked about principles of prayer. We've talked about things to pray for. Uh, We've talked about um, how to approach prayer. It seems like to me that a sermon series on prayer is not complete unless you address the issue of unanswered prayers. What do we do with prayers that seem as though they're going unanswered? Prayers that we seem as though aren't going any further than the ceiling. When we feel as though God isn't listening or God isn't interested or God is too busy with too many other things to be worried about my situation. What do we do when our prayer life hits that bumpy road? And as it was pointed out to me this morning, which I wholeheartedly agree with. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. You understand that. Sometimes we may not like the answer that we receive because maybe sometimes that answer is no. Sometimes that answer is not now. Maybe that answer is wait or that answer might be no, that's not what's good for you. And so that so but but I still want to address the very real spiritual psychological mental um, a struggle that sometimes we go through as Christians when we spend time in prayer and, though, and we feel as though nothing is happening. And sometimes that will sometimes lead to us, you know, saying, you know what, forget prayer or no more prayer for me. Or our prayer life diminishes because we say to ourselves, you know, what's the point And so today, I want to address that topic with you. And as I think about Scripture, and as I think about the stories in Scripture, there is one story that pops to mind. There is one story that comes to mind when we talk about the issue or the topic of unanswered 
prayer. There's one story that always jumps out. Does anybody know? What, what's the one story that always jumps out? Anybody? Oh, think I heard it. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here Jesus is, the night right before his crucifixion, the night of his betrayal. Jesus is there. He tells his disciples, come, pray with me. And he goes to the garden and he says to God, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to save the human race, then let it be so. And Jesus, God does not, quote, does not answer that prayer. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26 because we're going to read this story. Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 37. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 37. Matthew chapter 26, 37. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Now, if I can only convey to you what the Greek definition of these words are as far as being sorrowful and distressed, it is the ultimate anguish. It it is the ultimate anguish what Jesus is going through here at this moment as the sins of the world are being placed Upon his shoulders. Now, I know that all of us here have gone through very difficult situations. Maybe we've gone through a divorce. Or maybe we've lost our jobs. Maybe we've lost someone that's very dear to our hearts. And and we go through that gut-wrenching experience where things just don't seem right. Things don't seem to be looking up. And we go through those sorrowful experiences in life. Let me just say to you, and I don't want to diminish your experience. Because I know that your experience is very real. And I know that your experience hurts. And I know that your experience calls for a community of faith to surround you and to support you and hold you up. I don't want to diminish your experience of sorrow or pain that you have gone through as a result of sin. But let me just share with you that what you're going through or what you have gone through is nothing. Absolutely nothing compared to what Jesus Christ went through that night. You have to keep one thing in mind, that I want you to think about your pain, your sin, your sorrow, your loss, and all of that was placed on him that night on the Garden of Gethsemane, on his way to the cross to die for those sins. So you think you have it bad You need to understand that your sins, your pain, your loss, your depression, all of it was placed on Jesus Christ that night 
on his way to the cross to die for those sins. What Jesus was going through was beyond imagination. It's beyond explanation. We know from other sources that it was so intense that he had beads of blood coming out as he sweated out beads of blood. That was how intense this moment was. And we read here, again in verse 38, that he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. The reason why I want to point that out to you here this morning is because whatever you're going through, whatever it is that you might be dealing with, you can know with confidence that Jesus understands. That Jesus knows what you're going through. If you're going through a time of depression in your life, a time of loneliness where you feel like no one cares or, or, or it doesn't matter. If you're going through a sense of loss because you've just lost a loved one. If you're going through physical ailments, if you're going through financial difficulty, whatever it is that you're going through right now, Jesus understands. Jesus knows what you're going through. The Bible is very clear in the book of Hebrews that we do not have someone who does not understand. The Bible says that he does understand, that he went through everything in all points was tempted as we were, but without sin. And it says, therefore, since we have a high priest who can sympathize with us, we can come boldly before the throne of God. Jesus knows. Jesus understands Your situation. He knows what you've gone through. He knows what you're going through. He knows your struggles. He is intimately involved in everyone's life here this morning. In verse 39 it says, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to pause here and point out yet one other thing about this passage Because it seems as though in scripture there is a connection between prayer and temptation. If you remember two weeks ago we talked about the Lord's prayer. And you will remember that in the Lord's prayer one of the things that that Jesus says to ask for is lead me not into temptation. Now there is a great debate out there whether or not temptation is a sin or not. I don't believe temptation is a sin. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted, yet without sin. So being tempted isn't a sin. You can be tempted to do something. The sin is in the actual response or whether you choose to respond to that temptation. But check this out. There is a correlation between prayer and temptation. Not just sin. In other words, prayer gives us a hedge of protection around us that will protect us not just from sin, 
but from temptation. Now that is powerful, folks, because I know that a lot of us, we deal with sin and we ask God, please remove this sin from my life and, and I, I'm, I'm battling with this addiction or, or whatnot. But did you know that prayer will help protect you from the temptation of the sin that you might be dealing with? In her book, Steps to Christ, Mrs. White dedicates a chapter entirely to prayer, entitled The Privilege of Prayer. And in that little chapter, she says this, The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. Let me say that again. I hope I have everyone's attention here. The darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin. And it is all because they do not make use of the privileges that God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. You incorporate prayer into your life. If you maintain an attitude of prayer, what you are doing is you are putting a hedge of protection. It's almost like putting up a wall or a fence. It's almost like putting up shields all around you to help you from the temptation of the devil. The Bible clearly says that the devil's out there like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so he is constantly tempting you, trying to get you to sin, trying to get you to dishonor God. And here there is a connection between prayer and temptation. That in prayer we can find protection not just from sin, but we can find protection from temptation. That oftentimes leads to sin. And so he says here to Peter. He says here in verse 41. Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. But the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed saying. Oh my father. If this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayal is at hand. There are times in our lives, I understand, when it seems as though God is not listening. There are times in our lives, I know from personal experience, that it seems as though God doesn't care 
Like he's just so far away that my prayers aren't going any further than the ceilings. I understand that there are times, we all go through those times when we feel as though God is not listening, as though God is not answering our prayers, and we ask for things to change in our lives. We ask for a raise or a different job. We might ask for our family to come together. We might ask for our son or our daughter who maybe has left the church to come to the church, and year after year, we're praying for the same thing some of us pray for 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 the chains to of addiction to be broken and and we struggle and sometimes it just seems as though our prayers aren't going anywhere i want to share with you three simple things to remember if you might be going through that time right now or if you ever might be facing that time where you feel as though your prayers aren't going anywhere i want you to remember these three things The first thing I'd like for you to remember is found in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Here's the first thing that I want you to remember is that God knows the end from the beginning. God knows the whole story. God knows the big picture. God knows the end from the beginning, and you can rest assured that God's ultimate plan and his ultimate purpose for you is your eternal salvation. God's ultimate goal in your life is to purify your character and to ultimately seal you for eternity. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the story of your life. He knows the the roads that you're going to choose. And through the promptings of the Holy Spirit, he encourages you to do the right things, to make the right decisions. and And he's constantly trying to purify your character because what's important to him is your ultimate eternal salvation. But I need you to never forget That God knows the end from the beginning. And we may find ourselves in a situation where we think that God is not listening or that God is not interested or he doesn't care about my situation. You need to understand that God knows the end from the beginning and that the most important thing in, in, in his mind is your eternal salvation. I want to share with you a story that I read, a cute little story about a six-year-old boy named Johnny. Six-year-old, he comes to his dad and he says, Dad, I know what I want to be when I grow up. He says, I want to be a cowboy. And that's what he does. And I think I was five, six years old when I thought I was going to be a cowboy, chasing imaginary Indians in the backyard and that's what he wanted. And every, every day he'd come get up and he'd put on his cowboy hat. He, he'd put on his belt with his holsters and his two six shooters. And that's what he wanted to be. Well, as all kids, you kind of leave childish things behind as you grow up. And soon he lost interest in wanting to be a cowboy. And his interest turned to other things like sports and girls 
and, and, and cars, right? And later on in, in high school, his interest then changed again where he's now thinking about his future and what he wants to be and what he wants to study. And so his senior year, he goes to his dad and he says, Dad, he says, I know what I want to be when I grow. I know what I want to study. He says, I want to be a doctor. I want to go and, and, and be a doctor and I want to help people get better. Do you think you might be able to help me with, you know, my education? The dad says, son, there's no money for that. So when you were six years old, you said you wanted to be a cowboy. I bought you a 40-acre ranch down in Texas. That's where we put all our money. You were six years. That's what you wanted to be. And Johnny's like, but dad, I was six years old. It's a cute story. We chuckle. But how can we apply that to our own lives? Are we not growing Even in our spiritual walk, are we not growing and maturing in our walk with him? And maybe we're asking for something right now that God knows in a matter of a few years isn't going to mean a thing to us. We need to remember that God knows the end from the beginning. And that God's ultimate goal, his ultimate purpose, what consumes his mind is how he can secure and seal Your eternal salvation. And so yeah. An answer to prayer might be no. An answer to prayer might be wait. Or not now. But you need to understand that God understands the end from the beginning. And that his ultimate goal is to seal your eternal salvation. The second thing I'd like for you to remember if you're going through this, through, through a hard time and, and understanding prayer and how it relates and you may, be, um, you, you may get to that point sometime in your life, the second thing I'd like for you to remember is found just a few chapters before in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the second thing that I'd like for you to remember. That whatever the circumstance that you might be in, whatever the scenario, whatever the situation that you might be in right now, you need to know and understand that God will give you the strength that you need to make it through. You need to understand that God will renew your strength. The promise is very clear. Those that wait upon the Lord, in other words, those who trust in God, Those who say, God, I will follow you, I will obey you, no matter what the circumstances might be, no matter what I might be going through, I am here to honor you. Those that wait upon the Lord, the Bible says, he promises that he will renew your strength to give you the strength that you need to press on and to listen to this, fulfill his will. To carry out his will. You see, because Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane found himself at the end of his rope. 
He found himself with no way out. This is it. I, I mean, I, I, I do not know how this is going to go. But what did Jesus do? He waited on God. He trusted in God and he put his hopes in God. And what did God do in turn? He gave him the strength necessary to follow through and carry out the will of God. And he will do the same thing in your life. I think of a story in the, in the book of First Kings of a little widow who listened to the prophet of God. And even though the, 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 the bent of flour and the little pot of oil said, all I have left is for one more meal, but I will put my trust in God. I will rely on God. And what, would, what, what did God do? Every time, what did God do? He provided. He renewed. He gave a little bit more flour, a little bit more oil, And just when she thought she was going to run out, just when she had just finished emptying the pot in the little bin, just as she finished emptying it all out, what would God do? God would renew it. And God will do the same thing in your life. God doesn't always change the circumstances in our lives or the situation. Now, I know that God can. God does have the power to do so. But he doesn't always do that. But the promise is much greater The promise is much greater because the promise says that he will give you the strength that you need to make it through whatever situation you might be in. You think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't change the circumstances or the scenario, but what? He gave them the strength and the protection to make it through and to fulfill the will of God. And by so doing, brought honor and glory to God. The first thing to remember is that God knows the end from the beginning. The second thing is that God will renew your strength. And the third thing that I'd like for you to remember is found in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 20. Romans chapter 8 verse 20. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. I'm sorry. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, check it out. Does the Bible say that 50% of things work to the good? Does the Bible say that sometimes things work to the good? Does the Bible say that almost every time things work to the good? Is that what it says? What does it say? All things. Folks, all things will work to the good. In other words, God knowing the end from the beginning, God knowing that he's going to give you the strength that he needs to carry on through, God knows that eventually it will be made good. And we have an amazing promise in Revelation where we know, where we know the promise that says, you know, someday God's going to stand on the precipice of this earth and he will make all wrongs right. We understand that God will make all things new. We can take courage this morning that all things work to the good of those that keep him first. I think of another story in scripture, the story of Joseph. 
an amazing story. In a story where, you, I mean, you, you read that story and you think to yourself, it's unbelievable. I mean, things like this just don't happen, but it's there. It's the word of God. It happened. And here you read a story of a, of, of a man who was down and out, a man who was thrown into slavery and then into prison, and a man where you thought there's no way out of this, a man who how many times he must have felt that he was at his, at his wit's end, he was at the end of his rope, that it wasn't, wasn't going to work out, it wasn't going to turn out. How many sleepless nights must he have had in prison, thinking to himself, is God even there? Is God even listening? What's going on? But he kept his trust in God. He waited on God. And God knowing the end from the beginning. God giving Joseph the strength that he needed to make it through another night in prison. To make it through another night at, at the, as a slave. Giving him the strength to just keep on keeping on and keep on pressing on and keep on keeping God first. What happened eventually? The evil that was intended towards him, was turned to good. To quote him, he said to his brothers, the evil that you meant for me, God meant for good. We need to remember that God has our best interest in mind. And God, you need to understand that when God begins a good work, He is faithful and just to complete that work. You need to remember if you find yourself in a place where you feel as though God isn't listening or God isn't answering my prayers or or God isn't interested in my situation, you need to understand three things. One, that God knows the end from the beginning. You need to understand that God will renew your strength if you keep him first. You need to understand that he will eventually Make all things right. You know, as I mentioned, Jesus Christ, this night, was at his, was, I mean, there was, he didn't see a way out. I mean, if you think about it, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke things into existence, comes to earth and he puts his divinity aside to be an acceptable sacrifice on our behalf, Right? And you think about Jesus in this, I mean, you have to know, he knew the scriptures. He knew he was going to have to die. So can you imagine how bad it must have been for him to say to God, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way for us to do this? I mean, is there any other way for you to save the human race here? Is there any other way? Do you know, he put his trust in God. He put his trust in God, believing that God knows what's best, believing that God knows the end from the beginning. And so with confidence, he says, not my will, but your will be done. And now, post-Calvary, we get to look back at that event and we get to see with our very eyes and with our, our very own intellect that God gave Jesus the strength that he needed to bear our sins and carry that cross all the way to the hill of Golgotha. And that God gave him the strength to get up on that cross and to die for your sins and my sins. And in so doing, fulfilling the purpose of God to save you and me 
and to seal us for eternity. Is it not amazing when we look at the life of Christ, how through this most difficult time in his life, he remembered these three things. And then, did he not make all things good? Did he not turn that evil, that evil that was taking place as he was being crucified on the cross, did he not turn that evil into our good? We see it in the life of Jesus being played out right before our very eyes. And it is, it is an extension. It is a lifeline for us here today as we still struggle with sin, as we still wait for our Jesus to come back. It is a lifeline for us to apply to our own lives that when we feel down and out, when we feel deserted, when we feel alone, when we feel as though he's not listening, the lifeline is this, that we need to remember that God knows the end from the beginning. The lifeline is that we need to remember that he will renew our strength. The lifeline is that we need to know that God will someday make all things right. I will remind you that my goal for this series was to try and encourage you, was to try and empower you, was to try and place a desire in your heart to want to spend more time in prayer with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just want to share with you just a few things that you might be able to get involved with. You know, our website is, is open 24-7. And on our website, you can go and there is a, a, a prayer hotline that you can go to that prayer hotline and, and type in your prayer requests completely anonymous. There's a place where you can check on there if it is a prayer request that you want our prayer warriors of the church to be praying for. You can type in there if, if, if this is uh, or click there if it's something that you only want the pastoral staff to know about or just me. There is a place that you can go and, and, and request your prayer request online. You can do that. Wednesday nights at seven o'clock, Bill Cook has started a prayer uh, meeting Wednesday nights that you can get involved with and you can come and participate. I think they had close, uh, close to 15 people this last Wednesday where you can come and just fellowship with one another and spend time in prayer. Every Sabbath after church in the early teen room, there's time for prayer. And, and you know, there has, doesn't need to be a leader there for you to pray you can just go and find that quiet time or maybe meet up with someone once you get there to the early tune room. Every Sabbath after church, there's a time that you can go to the early teen room and spend that time in prayer. As you walk out this morning, we're going to give you a bookmark. And this bookmark is the prayer initiatives of the conference and so you might be thinking, man, what, what can I be praying for besides my own needs or my own situation? Well, take this bookmark home with you. It is the, the, the prayer initiatives of the conference, of the Chesapeake Conference. And that's something that you can carry around in your book or your pocket or, or your purse. And every once in a while, you can pull that out and pray for those prayer initiatives that are on that bookmark. You can start your own prayer group at home, at your own home. You can invite people to come over. Or you can come to me and say, you know, Wednesday nights doesn't work, but Monday night works for me. Or Sunday morning, and we can talk about putting something together where we can start putting it out there to our community, to our advertising it in the bulletin so that we can spend 
more time in prayer. I hope and I pray that this sermon series has taken you from where you're at and just moved you a little bit closer to having a more significant, a more um, time-consuming prayer life is my prayer. And I know that by so doing, you will experience the joy, the happiness, the peace. You will find the purpose that we all so desperately seek. So I pray and I beg of you, take advantage of the times that we have for prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we just take advantage of this privilege that we have through, through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come before you. God, we thank you so much that you take an interest in our lives. And God, we just thank you so much that this is available to us 24-7. doesn't matter where we are. We can be driving down the road. Uh, we can be at work. We can be at home. It doesn't matter where we're at. Any time of the day, the line of communication is open between you and us. Help us to take advantage of that. And God... Help us to remember these three uh, principles, these three things that we've learned here today. Help us to always, always remember that you know the end from the beginning. You know it all, that your ultimate purpose and goal for us is our eternal salvation. Help us to remember that you will renew our strength to carry on and to press on and be victorious. And that God, help us to always remember that someday... You will make all things right. And that someday it will all make sense to us. God, we thank you for this opportunity. Help us to take advantage of this privilege each and every day. It's my prayer. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can feel free to learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. And for more podcasts, click on Sermon Audio.